Are you ready? We're talking all things money in the bank as history was made this weekend, plus AEW collision, and we've got a special history fact to talk about. All of that and more on today's episode of The Faction. What's going on, family? Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction. I am Gerard Bonner, and I hope that you guys are enjoying your Independence Day weekend. Perhaps it's an extended weekend. You might be off today, or maybe you're working today and you're off tomorrow. Whatever the situation looks like, I hope that it involves fun, relaxation, and rest as this is kind of the last holiday of the summer well really before we get to labor day which kind of marks the end or the unofficial end of summer be that as it may it was an amazing weekend in the world of pro wrestling and we will get into that in just a few minutes as always a big thank you to all of you who join us on the socials instagram facebook and twitter at the faction show thank you for your continued support in that space. If you aren't following us there, go ahead and give us a follow and feel free to interact with us there. In addition, a big shout out to all of you who join us right here on this podcast. Those of you who are subscribed, who are regular listeners, who are regular contributors, we honestly and openly appreciate you greatly. If you are brand new to what we're doing, welcome aboard. We know that there are always new listeners that are joining us from all across the country and around the world. So thank you for hanging out with us here at The Faction. We have a lot of great conversation about the world of pro wrestling, and I hope it's something that engages you. Also, if you have yet to subscribe to our podcast and to our content, be sure to do that right now. It doesn't cost you a single thing, but it ensures that you actually get our content when it drops. You don't have to wait for a social announcement. You can experience it as it drops. Now then, let's dive into the faction. By now, I am sure that you have seen Money in the Bank. If not, we're going to have some spoilers here for you. So if you don't want to have any spoilers, you may want to press pause on this podcast. If you don't mind or if you've already seen the event, no worries. We've got you covered and we're going to take good care of you. So let's dive into Money in the Bank. The premium live event took place this past Saturday, July the 1st from the O2 Arena in London, England. Let's run through the results very quickly. The event began with the men's Money in the Bank ladder match as Damian Priest defeated Logan Paul, Shinsuke Nakamura, Ricochet, Santos Escobar, Butch, and LA Knight to become the new Mr. Money in the Bank. The bank. 
We have new women's tag team champions as Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez become two-time champions by defeating Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. From there, the Intercontinental Championship was on the line as Gunther defeated Matt Riddle by way of submission. Then Cody Rhodes in one of the triple main events defeated Dominic Mysterio. We had a surprise return from John Cena and we'll dig into that in the women's money in the bank ladder match eo sky defeated becky lynch Zelina vega bailey trish stratus and zoe stark to become miss money in the bank in the world championship match seth freaking rollins successfully defended the world heavyweight championship against finn balor and in the main event the usos defeated roman reigns and solo sokoa in the bloodline civil war there is a lot to unpack from this presentation of money in the bank i want to start with the london crowd I've got to start there. The London crowd was absolutely on fire for both SmackDown and Money in the Bank. And one of the things that I think is super important that either the WWE has stumbled upon or maybe they planned it this way strategically. Part of me thinks that it's a combination of both. But the electric crowds that are happening in these premium live event scenarios that are happening outside of mainland America, yeah, that is a thing. And specifically, I'm speaking about what happened in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and what happened in London, England. No offense to the Saudi crowd, but the Saudi crowd has not given us the things that San Juan and London have. I think it's very interesting that if you're paying attention, there has not been a premium live event in the mainland of America since WrestleMania. And as a result, we've gotten some pretty incredible moments from these international crowds. Now, that leads to perhaps John Cena's surprise appearance, which the pop for that was crazy. The crowd reaction was nuts. You know, it was amazing. And, and I'll get into John Cena's announcement in a little bit. But this London crowd is something special. They love pro wrestling, as we are seeing, of course, with the sales for AEW All In already topping 70,000. Like, it's pretty amazing to see the international response to the product of pro wrestling. London has always been a hotbed. It was a central space for the NXT UK brand. And we really got to see at that point just how amazing their crowds can be for this product. Product. They were singing songs like crazy. Matter of fact, I almost wonder if you had to kind of have a singing audition before you were able to buy a ticket because this crowd knew the words to every theme song. Lots of videos are going around about them singing the theme song for Cody Rhodes, which was amazing to see. But they also sung the theme song for John Cena. They weren't saying Cena sucks as much as they were singing The Time Is Now. And then there is a video floating around where they were singing the Usos theme song. Like, it's pretty crazy to see how invested this crowd is. So it explains them why John Cena publicly on WWE television began to promote the concept for WrestleMania in London. 
Now, it would not be the first international pay-per-view for the WWE for WrestleMania, but it would be the first WrestleMania outside of North America. The only two presentations of WrestleMania that have happened internationally were both at the Toronto Sky Dome, WrestleMania 6 and WrestleMania 18. So the idea of bringing WrestleMania to an international platform makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. And I think it's safe to say, given the success of WWE PLE, certainly in the last year or so internationally, I don't think they'd have to worry about whether or not WrestleMania would sell out. In my opinion, this is just one man talking, it stands to make sense that WrestleMania 41 is at Wembley Stadium in London. I almost think, and again, Again, we've said this before, there's really not competition between WWE and AEW, and yet there is, right? I mean, two very different products, obviously, two very different audiences, obviously, but I do think that after WWE has seen how AEW has been able to put nearly 70,000 people in Wembley Stadium for All In, I think there's a challenge where WWE might want to go back to Wembley Stadium. Now, of course, SummerSlam was at Wembley Stadium. That was 1992. And of course, the history that was made there, seeing the Intercontinental Championship main event, that was a big deal. And they had tons and tons of people there, over 80,000 people in attendance there. Could they get more in for WrestleMania? I'm sure they could. And depending upon how they do the staging, it would be amazing. Now, here's what's interesting. Is this a realistic possibility that WrestleMania could make its way to London? Well, here's what we know. We know that WrestleMania 40 has already been announced and it will take place in Philadelphia. There's talk, and again, talk, that WrestleMania 41 could be in Minneapolis, Minnesota. But it doesn't look like that is official yet. So would WWE pull the trigger and move WrestleMania 41 to London? WrestleMania 42 right now has not been announced as of yet. And so there's a lot of talk that, again, you have one of those two potential WrestleManias that do not have a home yet. Could London be the spot? Could we see 2024 or 2025 WrestleMania end up there? And here's the bigger question. Would you attend? I know I'm actually seriously considering it. My passport's ready. I just need to figure out what it's going to cost. But yeah, I think I'd be at WrestleMania London. No doubt about it. So let me know your thoughts. Do you think that WrestleMania in London could really be a thing? Now then, let's get back to some of the results from Money in the Bank, which includes, of course, the men's Money in the Bank match. Damian Priest walks away with the briefcase. Now, again, looking at all of the competitors, I think the WWE Universe was united in saying that almost any of them could have won except for Logan Paul. And I've got to say, I love the fact that WWE did not pull that trigger for Logan Paul. I think it would have probably given them far more negative backlash than they really wanted to have, especially at this time. Now, I know. I know, I know, I know. A lot of people were screaming for L.A. Knight. Yeah. And I'll say this. I think we've got to be able to, number one, trust this process when it comes to L.A. Knight. Does the WWE hear the voices of the people for L.A. Knight? Of course they do. 
And I ran across a tweet where this person said they could not believe that L.A. Knight was basically told they wouldn't pull the trigger on him because he's over 40, yet Damian Priest is three months older than L.A. Knight. So let's have the Damian Priest versus L.A. Knight conversation. Who's ready right now to become a world champion? Between Damian Priest and L.A. Knight, the answer is Damian Priest. Here's what I think us as wrestling fans need to remember. We need to remember that just because someone is popular and hot at the moment does not make them a world champion. The question is, can L.A. Knight become the face of the company right now or in the next year? I don't know that the answer to that is yes. We can literally go down the road of people who were immensely popular and their popularity did not translate to becoming a great world champion. Let's not even go back 20 or 30 years. Let's hang in the last 10 years, okay? The Daniel Bryan movement, great chase Amazing moment at WrestleMania, but unfortunately his body did not hold up in that particular title reign. So there's that. We can look in 2020 at Drew McIntyre, a huge wave of momentum going into that Royal Rumble that he won where he ultimately eliminated Brock Lesnar. He became the number one contender, was seemingly going to have the WrestleMania moment. And then the pandemic happened and the pandemic proved that he was not ready for that world championship spot. Ironically, it was the birth of the tribal chief that happened during the same scenario in terms of in the pandemic that has led us to the nearly three-year reign that we have of Roman Reigns right now. So there is that. Let's also look at another one, which would be Kofi Kingston, 2019. An amazing WrestleMania moment that happened. Wildly popular. They pulled the trigger. And while he was champion for six months, most will agree that the chase was better than the actualization of the title reign. So maybe, just maybe, in Triple H's WWE, he's working on establishing a base for LA Knight so that when this championship run potentially happens, that he can have a great title run. Now let's look at Damian Priest. Talk about somebody who has proven himself in WWE. Damian Priest, who ended up being the tag team partner for Bad Bunny at Bad Bunny's WrestleMania debut. Damian Priest, who has been Steady Eddie, who had nearly a year-long reign as United States champion. Damian Priest, a former North American champion in NXT. Damian Priest, who then this year has really showcased he's been about that life. From arguably the main event of Backlash and what he did with Bad Bunny, to really proving himself in a world title match with Seth Rollins, Damian Priest is ready to be the man. So did the right man win the men's Money in the Bank match? That would be an absolute yes. Plus, think about what this does for the Judgment Day. Now, the Judgment Day gets even stronger with the Money in the Bank winner, the world women's champion, and the man who was just the number one contender for this championship. And then you have Dominic, who was in one of the three main events. So Judgment Day is absolutely on fire. This was the right move.
From there, let's dig into what happened following that. The women's tag team title match, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. I think most of us walked away thinking that Baszler and Rousey would retain. But the shot heard around the world that made everybody scream was Shayna Baszler turning on Ronda Rousey. Now, I've got to just say this. If you are one of the people that says you saw this coming, you also probably believe that Elon Musk is an amazing businessman, okay? Nobody saw this coming, which is what made it amazing, right? There was nothing in the tea leaves that said Rhonda and Shayna will turn. There seemingly was nothing wrong. Shoot, just last week, Rhonda and Shayna unified the women's tag titles in the WWE and in NXT, With that said, I think we're all very excited that Ronda Rousey is no longer a women's tag team champion. I think we've also wanted to see what would happen if Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler actually battled. We'll now get to see that at some point. Will it happen at SummerSlam? Will it happen later or sooner? I don't know, but I'm very interested in this. And while that's happening, we now have Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez once again as tag champions, regaining the titles that they never lost. I like this. I like everything about this. We get multiple stories. We get a future for the women's tag team division, which now I think they can go into NXT and there would be some reasonable and believable tag team matches in terms of NXT getting an opportunity to potentially win those tag titles. We've got Ronda and Shayna moving in another direction away from gold, which we all want Ronda nowhere close to gold. So big, big moment, big, big win for Liv and Raquel. Moving on, we have the Intercontinental Championship match, Gunther defeating Matt Riddle. It's a rematch of a match that happened at Progress, which certainly was mentioned on commentary. Shout out again to the great commentary in WWE right now. Just really kind of taking the reins off and allowing history to be told. It's just a wonderful thing that adds so much depth to what's being presented. I don't know that any of us thought that Matt Riddle would walk out of this Intercontinental Championship match as the champion, but it makes me ask two very interesting questions. Number one, who will stop Gunther? I don't even believe that the returning Drew McIntyre will be the man, at least not at this point. But the other question is, two very different directions right now for Gunther and Matt Riddle. If we're keeping it 100, Matt Riddle has not been the same since Randy Orton left. And it makes us wonder if perhaps Randy Orton was really the rub that made us look at Riddle and be excited for him. Or are the issues plaguing Riddle outside of the ring the types of things that have tarnished his image inside of the ring? I'd love to get your thoughts on that. What's happening right now with Matt Riddle? As I alluded, Drew McIntyre made his return and put the boots to Gunther. And it looks like we've got Gunther versus Drew McIntyre coming sometime soon, perhaps as early as SummerSlam. Now, will Drew win? I don't know. But here's what I do think needs to happen. I do think Gunther needs to be able to beat the honky-tonk man's intercontinental championship record. 
Honky Tonk Man held that championship for 454 days. As of right now, Gunther holds the championship for 387 days. So if you're doing your math, yeah, we've got another 70 some odd days for him to hold the championship to be able to break that record, which means he would go through SummerSlam and probably through payback before he gets beaten potentially. So if they're doing the right thing here, Gunther retains that championship when we get to that. Now, in terms of the return of Drew McIntyre, this is something that we need to talk about because, of course, there was a lot of conjecture in terms of where is Drew McIntyre? Is he leaving WWE? What's really going on? Certainly, that was cleared up by Triple H, who said he was nursing an injury. There was never an issue in terms of his contract, et cetera, et cetera, which is one of the reasons why we don't pay a lot of attention to what's going on with the dirt sheets, et cetera, et cetera, because, well, yeah, it is what it is. All right, one more match that we want to talk about, which, of course, was Cody Rhodes versus Dominic Mysterio. Now, there was a scenario potentially in which Dominic could win this match, and I think that would be if indeed Brock Lesnar showed up to interfere against Cody Rhodes. That did not happen. Cody Rhodes pretty much dominated this match, which I thought was great. I don't think either of them lose anything coming out of this. Dominic Mysterio still is arguably the most hated man in WWE. Cody Rhodes is arguably the most loved man in WWE. And I'm telling you, I think the images and the videos of London singing Cody's song word for word, yeah, that's about to spread like wildfire. I'm telling you, I think if we're going to be a great crowd, you got to sing these theme songs. So I hope that the American audiences are paying attention because these audiences that are outside of the mainland United States, oh, they get it. They clearly understand the assignment. When we come back, we're going to talk about part two of Money in the Bank, including the World Championship match, the Women's Money in the Bank match, and of course, the Bloodline Civil War. All of that and more coming up when we come back. This is a total package, Lex Luger, and you are turned into the Faction. Attention wrestling fans, join us Friday, July 7th at the Action Building in Canton, Georgia for SHW 52. We'll crown the first ever Jake the Snake Legacy Champion as Chip Day battles the Kenway in the tournament finals. Cyrus the Destroyer has chosen his partners and will take on exotic youth in six-man tag team action alongside the returning All-Star Special. And two former champions unite as Gunnar Miller teams with Corey Hollis to take on Endgame, Nick Halen, and Southern Honor Champion Michael Judas. Plus, The Hierarchy, Danny Jordan, The Atrocity, Cruel, and so much more. Tickets on sale at the door the night of the show starting at 5 p.m. Doors open at 7, bell time at 8. Invite your friends and pack the action building for another unforgettable night. Come see why we are SHW and this is our wrestling. It's one shot, now the future is yours. Go! This is Caprice Coleman, and you're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. That's right, the man with the style, the grace, the shape, and the face. Support Bonafide Radio, The Faction. Keep it on, baby. 
All right, we're going to get back to our Money in the Bank recap in just a few minutes. I thought now would be an interesting time to talk a little bit about some history and some other things that are going on, and then we'll end up again with Money in the Bank. So one of our great listeners, who I just think is amazing, has done something really cool. They have made a suggestion to us to really kind of go through some history facts, and I love doing it. It's one of the things that we tend to do on WWT Live. I love bringing that to this format because, again, there is the realization that we all entered our fandom of pro wrestling at different points. Some left and have returned and may have missed certain moments. So today's July the 3rd, and the one big history fact that I want to tell you about happened on this day in 2006. You may or may not remember this, but this actually happened on Monday Night Raw. Here's the scenario that went down. Coming into this night, Rob Van Dam had cashed in his money in the bank briefcase. Now, there's some history to this because this was the first time that someone actually called their shot when it came to money in the bank. Now, money in the bank first really became a thing in 2005. Edge won the contract then. At WrestleMania 21, he would cash in at the first pay-per-view of 2006, and he'd cash in, oddly enough, on John Cena. RVD would win Money in the Bank at WrestleMania 22 in Chicago, and he chose to cash in at ECW's One Night Stand in 2006. This was the second presentation of One Night Stand, and he chose to cash in against John Cena. Now, what was so different about this was that RVD did not opt to do the surprise thing. He called this shot a few weeks prior to, and so we would have a WWE championship match on an ECW pay-per-view, a first. But this is also the moment where we got the infamous sign that said, if Cena wins, we riot. And so it was oddly enough, thanks to Edge's interference, putting a spear on John Cena that would allow RVD, who was the ECW champion at that time, to become the WWE champion. So this allowed RVD to become the WWE champion. Now, two days after him winning that title in June of 2006, we would see the reboot of ECW. And at that reboot, it would be announced by ECW creator Paul Heyman that because RVD won that match, he would also be the new ECW world champion. So walking into this day in 2006, RVD held both championships, the WWE title and the ECW championship. In this match, he would take on John Cena and Edge. Well, in this triple threat no disqualification match that happened on Monday Night Raw, it was the first time that we would see the WWE championship change hands on Monday Night Raw in five years as Edge would defeat RVD and John Cena to become the champion. The last time the WWE title had changed hands on Monday Night Raw was October of 2001 when Stone Cold Steve Austin defeated Kurt Angle for the championship. Now, you may be wondering, how and why did RVD lose this match? Well, it's not that it wasn't a competitive match, but there were some forces happening outside of the ring that led to this, particularly the night before Monday Night Raw. 
So July the 2nd, RVD and Sabu were driving and had been stopped for speeding. When they were stopped for speeding, the police found, let's just say, a lot, and that is in air quotes, of illicit substances in those vehicles. As a result, the WWE would take the WWE title off of RVD on that Monday night, and then the next night, RVD would lose the ECW championship to the big show and consequently be suspended for a month. So this day in pro wrestling history, a major day as the only guy to hold the ECW and WWE world championship simultaneously. Rob Van Dam would literally have his whole world come crashing down in 48 hours as he would be arrested on that Sunday night, July the 2nd, July the 3rd, he would lose a WWE championship. And then on Independence Day, July the 4th, he would lose the ECW championship. Now that's a look at your wrestling history fact of the day and that leads us back into money in the bank now before we get there aew collision took place this weekend as well it happened just a couple of hours after money in the bank kind of the big news coming out of there is a look at what happened with the owen hart tournament brackets so we saw three matches happen in the tournament and they were all on the men's side powerhouse hobbs would defeat dustin rhodes to advance to the semifinal round. Juice Robinson would be defeated by Ricky Starks on that side of the bracket. So now your semifinal will be Ricky Starks against Powerhouse Hobbs. On the left side of the bracket, Samoa Joe, the Ring of Honor TV champion, defeated Roderick Strong to advance to the semifinals. And now Samoa Joe will take on CM Punk in the semifinals. And both of those matches are scheduled to take place next week on Collision. Back to Money in the Bank we go as we talk about the second half of this card, which kicked off with a guest appearance from John Cena, who came out to really talk about the potential of WrestleMania in London. He was interrupted by Grayson Waller, and Grayson Waller tried to get one up on Cena, but we saw that Cena still got it as he hits Grayson Waller with an AA, an attitude adjustment. To the women's Money in the Bank match we go as EO Sky defeats Becky Lynch, Zelina Vega, Bailey, Trish Stratus, and Zoe Stark. Did they get it right on this one? Absolutely. Everything about this was absolutely incredible. I loved this matchup. And EO Sky winning just made so much sense. I mean, again, what I like about what we're seeing with the Money in the Bank winners this year is they are people who prove themselves. And EO Sky, if you go back to that same backlash where Damian Priest fought Bad Bunny, EO Sky opened up the card with an amazing match against Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. It was that night that I think everybody got to see how great we've known EO Sky to be. This was the EO Sky that became the NXT Women's Champion as EO Shirai. She is the legend, she's the icon, and now she is Miss Money in the Bank. And even the way it happened, using the handcuffs to handcuff Becky Lynch to Bailey and have them stuck there in the rungs of the ladder to climb above them. The symbolism could not be missed as now she steps over two of the remaining three, four horsewomen to become Ms. Money in the Bank. Who will she challenge? Well, 
The possibilities are endless. She could go against Rhea Ripley, though I think everybody wants to see her against Asuka. By the way, Asuka, Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, nowhere to be found on this pay-per-view because, of course, they were on really what I call the pre-show for the pay-per-view, that being SmackDown the night before. A great women's title match that was interrupted by the interference of Bianca Belair. And you've got to wonder if this is going to turn into a triple threat, perhaps at SummerSlam. I don't know. But this new aggressive Bianca Belair works for me. I love seeing this edge on her. And hopefully this will result in a shot at the new women's championship sooner rather than later. Let's also move on because, again, lots to cover, including... The World Championship match. Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. An amazing match. I love what Finn is doing. Many are wondering, should Finn have become the World Champion? There's a part of me that always has a soft spot for Finn Balor, and I would have loved to have seen this trigger get pulled. Finn Balor winning the World Championship unquestionably solidifies the Judgment Day as the strongest faction in the WWE. There was clearly tension between Damian Priest and Finn Balor, with some arguing that Damian Priest, potentially looking like he could cash in, distracted Finn Balor and cost Finn Balor the opportunity. Finn Balor had a lot to say about it, and it makes you wonder, are we looking at some sort of cracks in the armor of the Judgment Day? Will it mean that Finn Balor is out? Will it mean that Damian Priest is out? I don't know. I don't necessarily want this breakup to happen, but if it does, I think it gets very, very interesting. All of that said, Seth Rollins, still your world champion. Congratulations to him. Now then to the main event, the Bloodline Civil War. Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns against the Usos. I want to start by saying this. It was extremely noticeable, the intentional pace of this matchup. This match started slow and steady. All of the other matches on this card had a much faster pace. With this one, these four men took their time to tell their story, to let us anticipate every single move that was going to happen. And much like what we've seen with Roman Reigns title matches and when the Usos were tag champions on these premium live events, they started slow. They let it cook. They let it marinate. By the time we got to the end, we were at a fever pitch. No wonder this was the main event. I never questioned whether or not it would be the main event. It's the hottest story in the business right now. Boy, did they deliver. The symbolism in this was not lost on me. Roman Reigns getting pinned by Jay Uso. The first time Reigns gets pinned in three and a half years. Three and a half years. This is why this hit us so hard. We've not seen Roman shoulders on the mat this decade. Just consider that. That's not hyperbole. That's fact. Nobody's been able to pin Roman Reigns except for Jay Uso. Does this lead potentially to a world title match at SummerSlam? I don't know. But what I do know is, can Roman Reigns be viewed anymore as a tribal chief now that he has lost? Does this make Jay the next tribal chief? Does Jay even want that? What does Solo do? Where does Roman go after this? So many questions. And now we have to call the Usos the greatest tag team of all time. 
They beat Roman Reigns and Sola Sokoa, who, by the way, have yet to win a tag team match together. So many cracks, so many stories, so much symbolism. What a moment. What a time. The Usos defeat Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa with Roman getting pinned by Jey Uso. All right, guys, I want to find out your thoughts on Money in the Bank. Let us know on the social. Some of you have already given your thoughts from our post that we did on Saturday. Some of you were surprised by a lot of things. Some of you loved it. Some of you didn't. But I want to hear what your thoughts are after our analysis at this point. Hit us up on the socials at The Faction Show. It's going to be a great week of pro wrestling this week. So be on the lookout for that for sure. Of course, you've got the fallout with Monday Night Raw tonight. You've got NXT happening tomorrow night on the 4th of July with an interesting moment. Will indeed the dyad, formerly known as the Grizzled Young Veterans, end up leaving NXT, or will that be the Creed Brothers? We'll discover that tomorrow night. On top of the debut of NXT Underground, which I think should be very, very interesting, Eddie Thorpe takes on Damon Kemp. I personally think we're going to see a bit of a turn as we now see the debuting Gable Steveson find his way in the corner right now of Eddie Thorpe. I think that changes and he ends up partnering with his brother Damon Kemp. We'll find out all of this tomorrow on NXT. Of course, we have a quarterfinal match, the final women's quarterfinal match in the Owen Hart tournament happening Wednesday night as Britt Baker takes on Ruby Soho. That's on Dynamite. Thursday, you've got Impact happening. We haven't even had a chance to talk about Impact. Friday, Rampage and SmackDown. Saturday, Collision. All sorts of wrestling for you to consume. We'll have some videos for you this week as well. So be on the lookout for that. And all sorts of unpredictable pro wrestling information happening. So make sure you're following us here at The Faction Show across all of the social spaces. Until next time. Representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Solid, my pain.